Have you ever uh, considered all the things in life that separate us? Um, or, or maybe we say this way, all the things in life that we uh, allow or we use to separate us. Um, so just, just for fun, um, if I say Ford, you would say Chevy. Yeah, okay. I, I really should be careful with this group, right? I'm going to give you the opportunity to say something. <laughs> we do. You are miked, so uh, just be careful. Yes, Ford and, and Chevy. And, and depending on which one you are, right, it's amazing how, uh, I don't know what the word is, how, like, fiercely, passion, there we go. Let's use that word. Good job, Kim. Passionate we are <laughs> about our our dumb vehicle. <laughs> like, like it gets you, well, I don't know about Chevy, but Ford gets you from A to B and that should be enough, right? But we, we've, got to, we've got to separate about those things. Okay, you scared me. <laughs> um, what, what's the other things been, been real big? Uh, cowboys? Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't have brought that one up. When I was growing up, it, it was, uh, it was Man, Magic Johnson and the Lakers uh, versus Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics. Yes, Larry Legend, greatest ball player of all time. Uh, Republican, Democrat, gay, straight, Harley. There's really no other option uh, except uh, male, female, right? And, and so we, we will separate, we will argue, we will defend our position, our side, whatever. And, and it just seems like as humanity, it doesn't matter what it is, we're, we're going to fight over it. We're going to argue it. We're going to defend it regardless. Um. Our journey through this series, this Christmas series this year, the timeline of this series started, um, if we were in Jewish timeline history, based on the messages that we've done so far, uh, the timeline would have started about nine months ago. 400 years of silence, right? So God spoke through the prophets and he sent angels to people and that's how we get uh, the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and we get the minor prophets and we get the historians and, and all of that because God is speaking to his people through different ways. And then for 400 years, there's nothing. God just, there's no record of any prophet, any priest, any king speaking to the people on God's behalf. And then all of a sudden, after 400 years, an angel shows up to Zechariah while he's in the temple giving the, the sacrifice. And, and then the angel tells him what's going to happen, and then Elizabeth gets pregnant. Zechariah and Elizabeth are, are, are old, 80, 90 years old, perhaps, and, and, and she gets pregnant. And that's, that's a cause for some chaos, some um, debate, some argument, some separation. Why, why is this happening? Six months after that, an angel appears again, the second time, not to an old man in the temple, but to a young girl in the hayseed town of Nazareth. It's complete opposite situations and, and people. And, and then the angel tells Mary what's 
going to happen. We looked at that last week. And then Mary immediately leaves her hometown of Nazareth and takes a trip to go visit her cousin Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, who is in her sixth month. And Mary stays with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she comes home after John the baptizer is born. Mary returns to her hometown now. Um, The angel visits her, tells her what's going to happen. She leaves. She comes back three months later, and now she has the baby bump. And, And as time goes on, that gets more and more obvious, even when she's wearing the traditional Jewish Jewish clothing. And, and so you want to talk about reasons for separation and chaos and, and anxiety. Mary comes home and her parents find her pregnant. I guarantee you that the first thing her parents thought was Joseph. Joseph did this. And Joseph and, and his family see Mary and the first thing that they think is somebody else, right? It's not my kid. <laughs> my kid wouldn't do that. Somebody else. Mary's a floozy. And so what did she do? What happened? And so we've got separation. We've got um, chaos. We've got finger pointing going on. And so really it doesn't matter if it's, if it's 1 BC or if it's 2021 AD. If there are sides to be taken, we, we are going to take sides. And so we have the families of Joseph and Mary. And they are in this huge conflict. And and we're going to kind of jump into the middle of that conflict um, today. And and now you know what's going on when we look at the text um, for today. Mary and Joseph have been pledged to be married. Their parents worked that out probably a long time ago. But years ago, probably, they worked that out. They knew this was going um, to happen. And in the Jewish culture, when you are betrothed, when you are pledged to somebody, that is a a, a binding marital contract. And so um, we we don't see that um, today, right? In in our culture today, uh, marriage has... uh, Let's just say it's been brought down a few pegs, right? It, it just doesn't hold the place, maybe, that it once did. And, and so it's common practice in society today to, to skip marriage and just move in together and live together. And um, I, I kind of say it like this, and it, I'm sorry if this is, offends you, but so you, you play house, right? You, you come together and you live together and you do that thing, but you really don't have... Uh, anything that's keeping you there, I can go anytime I want to. So I can stay here and do this as long as everything's okay and she does what I want and he doesn't make me mad and everything's okay. But that is not the way it was for the Jewish people. When, when they were betrothed, even at a much younger age, that was official. And if you wanted to get out of that betrothal, it required an official divorce for that to happen. Because remember, at this point, there's bride prices and promises that have been made back and forth between the families. And so all of that has to be situated and, and sorted out and figured out. And so this moment here where Mary comes back from Elizabeth and she's pregnant and everybody sees her has caused a huge amount of chaos in, in their lives. This separated them and they are in a, a conflict. 
And, and so nothing at this point but, uh, uh, but a witnessed official divorce is going to get the two of these um, young people separated. And, and that's exactly what uh, Joseph intends to do. Let's jump into the text this morning. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is Matthew. We've been in Luke the last couple weeks, but this is Matthew talking now. Took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child um, from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's uh, kind of a couple of things going on. Um, we talked about Mary last week, how the, the angel said, this is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you, the power of God. You're going to conceive a child through that miraculous power. You're going to remain a virgin, but be pregnant. And, and then you're going to have this child. And so before Joseph and Mary came together, she was found to be with child. Now, that's a kind way of putting that. Um, it was... It, it was not that nice and easy when, they, when she was discovered to be pregnant, okay? She was found to be with child. And Matthew reminds us, look, don't, don't forget it's from the Holy Spirit. He's like, let's don't make any mistakes. Not, she, she didn't have an affair or anything. This is, this is God's doing. And so her husband, Joseph, Matthew says, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things, that's the first part of the next verse, but I wanted to throw that, that in there. So we, we learned some important things in, in this verse. Uh, we learned that Joseph was not the father of Mary's child. She was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and, and so that's important. He's, Matthew's got to make that point. Um, we also learned that Joseph was a just man. And, and maybe your Bible translation, it might say uh, Joseph was faithful to the law or that he was a righteous man. But the point is, Joseph was not a jerk. Like he followed God and, and he didn't just give lip service to that. He actually tried to live out the things that God told him to do that he learned in Jewish school as a boy as he learned the Torah. So he tried to implement those same things into into his, into his life. The other thing that we need to hold on to is that in Jewish culture, when a man um, made up his mind or, or um, he resolved to do something, in Jewish culture, the, it, that was determined. If you were talking about timelines for when things happened, when a man resolved to do something, that's when it was done. That's when they officially said it was done. Uh, let me give you an, an example really quickly. Um, Abraham uh, and Sarah get pregnant, right? They're really old, 100 and, and, and 90 years old. They get pregnant, and they have Isaac. Isaac is the one that the promises of God are supposed to come through with Abraham. And then there's this story that seems completely out of place and ridiculous where God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on an altar to, to him, which God abhors, the Bible tells us, human sacrifice. So it's completely out of character for God, but there's a, a reason for this, and it's, it's pointing to Jesus. It's not about Abraham and Isaac, it's about Jesus, and so you gotta understand that um, through that lens. But, but there's this point where it says, Abraham got his stuff together, and he loaded up the wood on Isaac for the sacrifice, which again, Jesus carried his cross as a picture of Jesus. And, and Abraham had determined to sacrifice his son on the mountain. 
Now, any idea on how many days passed from the time Abraham determined to sacrifice Isaac to the time he made it to the mountain to make that happen? Three days. How how long was Jesus uh, in the tomb? Three days. Right? So Isaac and Abraham is a picture of God, the Father, and Jesus, the, the Son. Um, and, and so it's, it's not like you just got to read that story and you just go, oh my goodness, I can't believe God would tell him to do that. God wouldn't tell him to do that. God was giving us a picture of his son, Jesus, in this. God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. That's why he stopped him and provided the scapegoat, the lamb that would be sacrificed in his place. There's a whole big story, and maybe we'll get into that next year. But it's the idea that once a Jewish man had decided something was going to happen, that was it. That was when they began counting. And so Joseph, Matthew says, had resolved. He'd decided. It was finished. He was going to divorce her quietly, and so it was as good as done. And so I want you just to kind of hold on to that and and just put it in your pocket because we're going to talk about it uh, again in in a little bit. Because it's after uh, Joseph has made up his mind to divorce Mary that an angel appears to him in a dream. But but I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what it says, oh, uh, (laughs) what it said um, where it says that Joseph had considered this, right? He'd resolved to divorce her, but as he, the, Matthew says, as he was considering these things. So let's look at what Joseph was considering, because I really think there's three options um, for Joseph, and each one of them has some serious implications for what's going on in his life and Mary's life and their, and their family's um, lives. So uh, option number one is that Joseph could divorce Mary publicly, um, so I think that was the first option that he was considered. He could divorce Mary um, publicly. Now, this option does a couple things that are really important. Number one, it absolves Joseph. If Joseph goes to court and presents evidence and says, look, it wasn't me, I wasn't around, we didn't spend any time alone together, and Mary's pregnant, it absolves um, Joseph, vindicates him. I'm not the one who got her pregnant. That is good for Joseph. It's good for his family. It's good for his friends. It's good for the bride price because he can get that back. It's good for a whole lot of of reasons. Um, But at the same time, vindicating Joseph would, um, would, would make the guilt and the infidelity of Mary incredibly obvious. By Joseph standing up and saying, this wasn't me, evil. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. (laughs) Uh, Joseph vindicating himself publicly in a court of law would also also condemn Mary. And, And the punishment for infidelity, in this case, because they were betrothed, um, could have been death, and the Jews really didn't do that very often, but, but that could have been. And, and so the first option, it vindicates Joseph, so he's free to do whatever he wants, but it humiliates Mary and, and her family. Option two, uh, Joseph had decided, was a private divorce between just two witnesses. So Joseph has had to get two people to come and kind of sign off on his divorce. He says, look, I'm going to divorce her, and here's why, and they write it out, and they sign off on it, and um, and it's done. Now, this option, as Joseph says, Matthew says, would spare Mary public humiliation, but it would not publicly absolve 
or vindicate Joseph in, in anybody's eyes. And so option two, it spares Mary, but then it leaves Joseph as a suspect. Because in the back of people, people's minds, they're always going to think, look, it, maybe it was Joseph. He didn't take her to court. He didn't prove that it wasn't him. Maybe it was Joseph. Now, option three um, is that they would go through with the marriage, that he would just kind of pretend that this never happened, and they'd go through the marriage. And, and that option was just equally damning for both of them. Everybody around would just assume that, that this child was Joseph's child, um, that they pretended like it wasn't, and, and, and whatever, but it, it would not... It would not separate or vindicate either of them. And so option three really is um, rejection and stigma for, for both of them. Uh, Grinch, you need Jesus, so I'm glad you're, you're up here. <laughs> um, and so Matthew tells us that, that Joseph chose the kindest option for Mary, even though it left him open to suspicion and, and may have affected his future relationships, okay? So Matthew says this is what he was considering. This is it, right? These are the options that he is going through. Let's jump. Bye. Are you leaving? Okay. <laughs> next one. As he considered these things, there's the first half of the, the next verse. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, that's different from the last two times the angel showed up, right? Because the angel was in person in those two uh, accounts. Appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. <laughs> Troublemaker. Okay. Are you... What? I'm running out of time. You need, a, you, need a, you need a change of heart, Grinch. Okay. So after 400 years, God begins to speak to his people again through an angel to announce the biggest spiritual and physical shift that the world will, will ever know, right? I mean, the birth of Jesus changed everything. And there are four angelic encounters that, that bring about this birth of Jesus. Two of those encounters are back and forth conversations between the angel and, and the individual that they're talking to, right? The angel tells Zechariah what's gonna happen and Zechariah says, how do I know? And the angel tells Mary what's gonna happen and Mary says, how, how will this be? So they have this back and forth um, conversations. One of the angelic uh, announcements, it comes in a dream, but this dream encounter with the angel really has more going on in the text than any of the other three face-to-face -face meetings between the angels and the people. So um, first, the, the angel, um, Matthew, again, assert right up front that Joseph is in the kingly line of David. And that's important as we talk about Jesus coming because Jesus was the seed of, of David. Uh, 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 in the line of David. And so that prophecy has to be um, fulfilled about the Messiah. Then the angel uh, says, like he said to Zechariah and to Mary, do not be afraid. Only this time the angel's not talking to Joseph because Joseph is afraid. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your, as your wife. Or he says, 
Remember, what he's really saying literally is, stop being afraid to take Mary as your wife. And I, and I was thinking about that. That's an interesting way um, to say that, because I think what it might indicate is that Joseph had resolved to divorce Mary, maybe more because that's what he thought his family and his friends wanted him to do. And they probably wanted him to take option number one and divorce her publicly and vindicate himself. But I think Joseph loved her. I think that's why he chooses. He's like, I can't marry her because then that destroys my, my family, my relationships, my friends, everything. I can't do that. And I really don't want to divorce her publicly and, and, and cause her that shame. And, and so I'm going to resolve to do this thing that's kind of right in the middle and kind of keeps both sides happy. I think he really um, loved her. So the angel then says, don't be afraid to do this thing that you really want to do, which is take Mary as your, as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the, the Holy Spirit. Meaning, <laughs> Joseph, nobody is going to believe this, right? Nobody, nobody is going to buy this story that, that you're going to that you're going to give. It's just not, nobody's going to follow it. It had never happened before. But just so you know, the Holy Spirit is responsible for this miracle. And that's exactly what it was, an incredible miracle. Now, she will give birth, the angel says, to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Uh, on the, the Hebrew word is Yeshua, and that means God saves or salvation. Now, for, for a Jewish man, naming his sons was a, was a very big deal. Um, if, the, if the woman dreamed about the, the marriage, the wedding, and planning all of that stuff, naming your son, especially your firstborn son, that's what a Jewish man thought about. It was an incredibly important moment, and there was a lot of kind of pomp and circumstance that went in around it. A, a Jewish boy's name was given to him to tie him to his ancestors, so it was usually a name um, from the line in their family, but it also said something about their future and spoke to who they would be. So oftentimes, the Bible will tell us what names mean because that was important to who that person would actually become. It's a really cool thing. We don't do that a, a lot in, in today's um, age. In fact, my name, Corey, actually means um, dweller by a, a pond or stream. Uh, whatever. I don't do a lot of that. <laughs> so I don't know why. They, but today we're just like, oh, I like that name. Let's, I'm going to name them that. Or we, or we make up a name uh, for them. But for a Jewish man, this was an incredibly important moment. And the angel tells Joseph, you're not going to get that opportunity. You don't get to name Mary's son because he's not really your son. And so you, because you're the husband in this situation, you are going to name him Jesus, the angel says, because he will save his people from their sins. This was, again, about fulfilling ancient prophecies, but also speaking about Jesus' future. As, as Kevin said earlier in the communion talk, we didn't communicate that, but Jewish culture was built on sin and atonement. 
if you sin, you have to make a sacrifice, and the blood of that sacrifice that was shed atoned or paid for in a temporary fashion your sin. But none of the sacrifices that the Jewish people made saved the people from their sin. It, it, it just um, kind of temporarily held off punishment. Jesus, the angel said, would actually save his people from their sins. And, 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 and like, that's it, right? So the angel come and he says, like two sentences, he says, it's the extent of the third angelic encounter. And so look at the text in, in Matthew. There are literally three sentences that introduce us to Joseph and his part of the story. This is Mary was found to be pregnant and Joseph, and here's what happened. Three sentences. Then two sentences from the angel that dramatically altered Joseph's life. And then Matthew, the writer, he's like, okay, that's the end of that. And he steps in and he fills us in with the rest of the story, or at least part of the rest of the story. And here's where it goes. So this is Matthew now talking. And he says all of, of this. So Mary getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit and Joseph having the dream and the angel coming. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, it's important to know that nobody had a clue what Matthew was talking about. If you're a Jewish person and you're reading this uh, right after it was written, you got no idea what prophecy Matthew is referring to. Now, now we know because um, the guys who researched this went back and said, oh, this is a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, verse um, 14. Uh, and, and so here's what's going on. Ahaz, the, the nation of Israel, had split into two. So you have the lower uh, nation of Judah, which was the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And then you had the northern ten tribes, and they were at war. Ahaz was king of the southern tribe of, of Judah. And there were two kings, the king of Israel, the northern tribes, and the king of Samaria, and they were going to come and wage war on Jerusalem. And Ahaz was terrified because he thought they were all going to die. And God sends the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz and says, um, Ahaz, don't worry. God says that these two kings that are coming after you are not going to amount to anything. So, so don't worry about it. Um, and, and, and then God says um, through Isaiah to Ahaz, Ahaz, I'm going to give you a sign that, that these kings, that you don't have to worry about them. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to do something miraculous and, um, and then you'll know that I'm telling you the truth and you don't need to worry about these, these other two kings. And, and what he says um, in, in that prophecy is, behold, the virgin. Now, the, now the, the Hebrew word for virgin is the same word that means young maiden who might not be a virgin, but it's the same word, okay? It's, it's used interchangeably. So Isaiah goes to Ahaz and says, behold, probably the young maiden is going to conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Now, that prophecy was fulfilled in Isaiah's day. Ahaz saw the prophecy fulfilled, and he had confidence that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. That's how prophecies work, right? Right? 
Uh, most of the time, when a prophecy is spoken, the people around that prophecy don't understand that it's for another time, not just for right now. And so prophecies exist in the now, and they exist in the not yet. And so Isaiah had no idea when he spoke these words to King Ahaz that Matthew, about 700 years later, was going to say, this was a prophecy about the Messiah. And and here's why Matthew is able to say that. Because the child that was born in in Isaiah's day was not Emmanuel. He, He was not God with us. And, and this virgin probably was just a young maiden. And so Matthew takes Isaiah's words and he says, look, now that we know Jesus has come and he was born to a virgin and his name, based on what the angel said, is Emmanuel, now we have information and we can go back to what Isaiah said 700 years earlier and we can go, oh, Isaiah wasn't just talking about what was happening with Ahaz, he was talking about the coming of Jesus the Christ. So interesting how those things work. All of this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken. Um, okay, we're going to hang here uh, for just a minute because we need to really understand what this word Emmanuel means. M- Matthew says it means God with us, but I want to look a little bit deeper in the next uh, few minutes, because Tim Keller um, says some really interesting things. He says that God with us tells us about divinity and ministry and humanity of, of Jesus. Jesus is God. Matthew says Emmanuel means God with us. And so Jesus is God. He's the physical representation. He's an exact copy of God. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. And Jesus himself, later in his ministry to his disciples, he would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he also said, "Um, everything that I do is what the Father does. And so so Tim Keller says, look, when when the angel comes and says, you're going to name him Emmanuel, God with us, This is divine. This Jesus is God, and we need to understand that connection. Secondly, he says Jesus is is, um, us. I'm going to jump down to here. Jesus is, is us. So it's not just that he's divine, that he's God. Jesus also is human, and he shares in our humanity. And so when Jesus' friend died, he wept. And when Jesus was crucified, he bled. Even after his resurrection, when he appeared to his disciples, he he told them this. He said, touch and see that it's me. Does a ghost have flesh and bone as you see I have? We're also told that Jesus faced every temptation that we face just without sin. And so God with us doesn't just speak about Jesus' divinity, but also about his humanity, that he's one of us, that he experienced life the way we experience it. And then we're told about his ministry, that Jesus came to be with us. Jesus didn't sit on the sidelines. He didn't point fingers. He wasn't like the Jewish priest who who went to the temple and then looked at everybody else and said, oh, you're a terrible sinner going to hell. Look at how good I am. That's not how Jesus worked. 
At every opportunity, Jesus was with people. And it didn't matter if they were unclean lepers or prostitutes or self-righteous religious people. He lived and he died with us in community and relationship. And understanding this leads us right to our bottom line for today. And, And that is this, that there is not an us that God didn't come to be with. God with us. You remember that list from earlier? Ford and and, and Chevy and Cowboys and and Chiefs. Whatever side um, your us is, that's the side Jesus is on. Because he's with us. But that's not how we function, right? Because, look, every sports team, before they go out on the field, they pray, (laughs) And and a lot of times, if you're watching the game, you're praying too. God, please let my team win. Because obviously, you are with us and not with them. You, You see how that works? God is not with us at the exclusion of everybody else. God is with us and it includes everyone else. And so I think that Christians often act like God is with us because we're good and we, and we kind of obey and we give a little bit and we serve a little bit. But everybody else, they are, they're all sinners. And, but then you look at Jesus' life and his ministry and he spent all of his time with sinners. So, so who is the us? Because honestly, it might not be us. The media and politicians and really the world, Satan, wants to separate and colonize us so that we spend all our time defending our position, arguing with them, pointing fingers at at them. So it's always us versus them. But there is not an us that God didn't come to be with. And, And we have to be careful here, because while this is absolutely true, I didn't say that God came to affirm or approve of us, of our position, of my beliefs, my team, my choice. He he did not come to do that. He simply came to be with us in the hopes that one day we would be with him. And this is where the final sentence of Matthew comes into play. When Joseph woke from sleep, this is what separates us from them. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. If God doesn't have permission to disagree with your decisions. Who is actually God? Because aren't we taking that place? Remember that Joseph had already resolved, he had made up his mind about what to do with Mary. But when he woke, he didn't do what he had intended to do. He did what the angel commanded. 
And not only to take Mary as his wife, but then to name him Jesus as the angel had told him. And he did this even though it was the worst option for him personally to marry Mary. It was worst for him politically, in his family, it was the worst decision. Even though it meant raising somebody else's child, which Jewish men didn't really like to do. Even though it meant possible rejection by his parents and certainly ridicule from his family and friends. And so do you let God disagree with you? Let me just say, as a pastor, too many times I have heard people tell me that God told them something was okay in, in their life. God said this was okay. God gave me position, permission. God released me. God set me free. And whatever they're saying is in contrast. It's in opposition to God's word. And, and so what I was, like if you read God's word, you'd go, God's word doesn't agree with what you just said God agreed with on your behalf. And, and every time when that happens, every time what God told them was okay, what God released them from, what God set them free from was exactly what they wanted anyway. That's not you following God if that's going on. That's you using God to justify your sin. And that's not what we're talking about here. That is not what Joseph did. Joseph did the worst possible thing. Let me, let me point out one more thing here. Jewish religious leaders taught that Jewish men should marry young because they couldn't control their sexual desires. Because of the man's animal behavior, uh, they just couldn't control it. And so Jewish girls were often blamed for enticing men because of their long hair. Uh, and it got me thinking, does, does that sound familiar? <laughs> we're told today that men are, um, well, we're told men are pigs, but, but also that men are animals, right? And then you can go on, on YouTube, you can, you can Google, you can listen to all kinds of psychologists and psychiatrists and all kinds of people. And, and they'll say uh, things like, men were not meant to be tied down to one woman for their whole life. A man cannot control his sexual urges. A man is simply beyond us. Which makes us sound, hmm, pretty sissy, I think. Listen, man, um, you can't control your urges and your behaviors. But you better. So we have these fighting, and, it's, and it's, it's ridiculous. Joseph obeyed God. He did what God said. He took Mary as his wife. And in that culture, she was now his possession. But he did not have sex with her for perhaps as long as six months until after Jesus was born. Um, men, you can control that urge. You can. We can. And, and, and I've got a whole lot more to say about this. But I think I'm going to save it for maybe a series in 2022. How, how about that? 
Um, look, it's, it's almost a, a new year. Don't let fear stop you from doing the thing that God has asked you to do. Because if it's conceived through the Holy Spirit, it can't be stopped. We're going to look at... Um, we looked at three of the four angelic visits after 400 years of prophetic silence. And one of the visits um, was to a priest, then to a young couple, and then the last angelic vision, uh, visit was to um, really the, the rest of, of the world, was to a group of people that the rest of the world couldn't have cared less about. But up to this point in the story, everything could have stopped, right? After Joseph hears this dream and he, and he marries Mary, everything could have stopped at that point, And only a handful of people would have known that it even went on, that it even happened. Most of them would have just disregarded it. But, but things are about to get really serious. And so on Christmas Eve, we're going to see how the birth of Emmanuel, God with us, poses a stark difference and really is in conflict with what the Roman world thought about who God was and how he was with us. And so Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock, um, right here, we're going to have a candlelight service. Uh, we'll live stream it as well. It'll be in person, though, if you come. We're going to have a hot chocolate bar. We're going to have uh, cookies made from some of the ladies here in church. Uh, we're going to have Santa we're going to have um, the Grinch and, and hopefully your family. We're, you're going to be able to take pictures um, with Santa, uh, with your family. We're going to do the candlelight thing. We're going to do um, communion. We're going to sing carols. Uh, and we'll be talking about the angel's visit to the shepherds. And so I hope that you will join me Friday night, 6 o'clock, Christmas Eve, um, right back here. All right, let's pray. God, thanks for loving us. and. Um, Thanks for giving your son and thanks for these visits from the angels that set the stage for um, this incredible story that just changes everything. It's changed my story. It's changed our story. And so God, thank you for just um, being with us. Um, man, it is just incredible. We know when we're, when we're sad and, and when life just is too hard that just to have you with us is so incredible. So thank you, God, for all that you do, and thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, all right. Um, thanks for being here this morning. Love you. Uh, let me tell you what's... Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.